This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Hey, I'm starting a new series today. Um, we um, just finished a series. What was the last series on? Legacy. Legacy. That's right. Um, today, I'm starting a, uh, a new series called Alignment. Everybody say Alignment. And so, again, I just want to welcome everybody. If it is your first time here, if you're a guest with us, I welcome you. Thank you for being here. I was looking online, and, and uh, yeah, we got a crew of people watching online this morning. I do know that we got some audio issues. It's uh, been brought to our attention, and uh, probably just going to have to deal with that uh, next week. But uh, we thank everybody who's, who's watching online at the moment as well. Um, talking about alignment. Alignment, how many of you would agree? Hey, Lou Jelly, how you doing, man? Alignment is become a buzzword in our society today, and it's something that is, is mentioned quite a lot. How many of you have heard of conferences called alignment? I've seen several of them in the last year, alignment conference and all this stuff, talking about alignment. But the question is, what does alignment mean? And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to answer a few questions in this, but, but as with any series that I do where I talk about a subject like this, I always want to start with a definition. And there's a couple of definitions of alignment, but the first definition I found, which I I think I have in your notes, you should have gotten a note sheet in your service guide. You can also follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. But the first definition of alignment I found was alignment in a straight line or correct relative positions. That makes sense, everybody? Alignment in a straight line or correct relative positions. Now, back um, about, about a week ago, I put up a Facebook question. And I was asking, what are some real-life scenarios where alignment is critically important? A bunch of y'all, I think we've had about, I saw a few days ago, last time I looked, we'd had about 45 responses. I threw a few up on the screen. I think John Cobb was my very first one. I can always count on John Cobb. He's always first. Bam, he's got the answer. He said cars. We had a few other people that jumped in there. Uh, I, think, um, I think Jerry had said cars. Uh, Dr. Leon Van Royen even jumped in and was mentioning uh, mentioned that as well. What did he put? Yeah, try and drive on... Long road trips with poor alignment, which he's done all over Africa. You ought to try that. Watch the damage of the tires besides safety. Um, a few others I just was, I may, and I may share more of these each week over the next few weeks, but, um, but Angie had said, and, oh, there she is. Angie had said, proper alignment is a major component of Pilates. Y'all know she's a Pilates instructor. Correct position of the spine, pelvis, ribcage, and shoulders are needed for good posture and optimum health. My old friend uh, John Owens, and actually I think Liz Sater put this one down as well, was talking about in business, operational execution must be in alignment with the sales objectives, right, in order to meet expectations. Now, some of you um, remember our old buddy David Stevens. He had one that was my favorite, the Death Star Beam. I was like, it must be in proper alignment to blow up planets. Absolutely. If you want to see... I, I, I refuse to mention Ron Saldano's answer, but if you want to see one that's something about Taco Bell and poo or something, check out Facebook. Um, and the last one was, uh, that I was going to mention today was um, uh, Jennifer Mueller and then Mike Womack, I think there may have even been a couple others, that mentioned um, your neck and back. How many of you know it's important that your neck and back be in alignment? I've figured that out over the last... Um, 30 years of my life, as I've seen different doctors and chiropractors and different things like that. Um, and what I want to do this morning, I actually invited a friend. Y'all welcome Dr. Tyler Qualls to the stage this morning. <laughs> Dr. Tyler is from um, Mississippi Upper Cervical. You can st- step right on up. Step, yeah, step right on up there. Hot seat. Um, he's from Mississippi Upper Cervical, which is uh, near... Goodman in Tullahoma, just, just down the road right here. And Sean and I, and, uh, and actually Aaron, have been seeing him for quite a few years now. And I know that, yeah, I know your point, and I know Marilyn, there's quite a few. I think our, our in-house salesman, Zach Davis, has brought more people into Mississippi Upper Cervical than just about anybody. But, uh, but anyway, um, I just have built a friendship with Dr. Tyler. He's taught me a lot, and his, his beautiful wife, Brooke, is here this morning as well. Y'all welcome her. And um, so I just, I just wanted him to share for just a moment this morning about what he knows about alignment and the importance of it. So take it away, my friend. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I know everybody's pumped up and excited to talk about alignment in chiropractic, right? 
right? All right. So I'll do my best not to put you to sleep over the next few minutes. But, um, you know, who am I? You know, I've been at Mississippi Upper Cervical since 2009. Um, I'm from a small town called Mickey, Tennessee, about 100 miles from here. Um, and Rob introduced Brooke, my beautiful wife. We have uh, two wonderful kids, uh, which I don't know where they're at. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're with the grandparents, hopefully. But, um, you know, when Pastor Rob asked me to come speak about alignment and chiropractic, um, many things came to mind. Uh, alignment has a lot to do with chiropractic, but alignment also has a lot to do with your overall health and how you feel and how you function, okay? Um, in chiropractic philosophy, we talk about universal intelligence, and that's you know, innate intelligence as well. So universal intelligence, you know, what makes the sun rise and the sun set, what makes the earth spin, the different seasons happen, you know, and to me, that's God. That's right. God allows all that stuff to happen. And innate intelligence is a similar intelligence that's within your body that, you know, allows your blood pressure to be regulated for, you know, your breakfast that you ate to be digested, for your heart and your lungs and everything to work uh, together. And thank God that we don't have to control that, right? I can't think about digesting my breakfast right now while I'm up here talking in front of you. All right, I, I got enough stuff going on. But uh, that intelligence, you know, God created within us flows from above down, inside out. So above meaning from your brain, down through your spinal cord and out through your different nerves, coordinating and keeping everything, regulating, keeping everything healthy and aligned, okay? So when God created Adam and Eve, he created them with that intelligence. He didn't create Adam and Eve in the CVS pharmacy for when they got sick, right? He created them with that intelligence to heal naturally on their own. So that innate intelligence doesn't need any help. It just doesn't need any interference, okay? So what's interference? Well, interference is anything that disrupts that innate intelligence and that above, down, inside, out flow. Well, where does the interference come from? It comes from misalignments, okay? So having that misalignment within your neck or your spine that can cause that disruption. Well, what causes the misalignments, okay? There's a few things that can cause it. Stress, what you put in your body, your posture. But most commonly, it's traumas and accidents. And when I say traumas and accidents, everybody thinks about you know, car accidents and broken bones and going to the hospital. It doesn't have to be that traumatic. It could be playing football, you know, for many years. It can be different sports. It can be, you know, four-wheelers and dirt bikes and different things when you were a kid. It, there's no time limit to this either. So things that happen to you when you were a teenager can affect you, how you feel and function today. And what I say is things that happened to you yesterday and what you do about it today will affect how you feel and function tomorrow, okay? So in my office, uh, we do an exam and we, we take x-rays to see the alignment and where the problem areas are at. And people come in with headaches and migraines and neck and back pain, the common stuff that people think about when they think about chiropractors. And, you know, we figure out how to adjust and correct those alignments. And guess what we see, Rob? We see improvements in those people's health. We see quality of life increase um, and through getting them properly aligned with their head and their neck and their spine. Uh, something out of the box that you don't typically think of, you know, we, we see a lot of parents bringing their, their children, their toddlers, that after a traumatic birth process, whether it was a long labor and delivery or it was a, a C-section where the doctors had to pull and twist and, and tug on the baby's head and neck or their back, it creates those misalignments that can cause different symptoms. Most commonly, it's like colic, okay? So colic can cause pressure buildup in the abdomen and make the baby fussy and cry a lot and doesn't sleep. And then that makes the parents fussy and they cry a lot and they don't sleep. Amen. But what we do is we correct those misalignments throughout that, that baby's spine and it helps to alleviate that pressure and then they do better. Other things uh, 
is with the head and the neck, if there's not proper alignment within the head and the neck, it can cause the eustachian tube, which is right behind the ear, that helps drain fluid from the head uh, to become disrupted or imbalanced where when the baby has a cold or an infection, that can localize right in behind the ear. And what we do is we do an alignment or an adjustment to help uh, improve the circulation of that eustachian tube and you see those chronic ear infections go away. So um, hopefully I made some sense and clarity on chiropractic and the importance of alignment and I want to thank Pastor Rob for having me and inviting me. So thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, so everybody agree that alignment is important. Alignment and balance are vitally important in life, and I think many times it's, uh, those are two things that we have very little of in our lives, is alignment and balance. And uh, so in looking at this, uh, we talked about the first definition of alignment, arrangement in a straight line or in correct relative position. The second definition I want to mention is a position of agreement or alliance. Culture today, everybody's position of agreement or alliance. And how many of you know that in our culture today, everybody's looking for, everybody's looking for a cause. They're looking for somebody to get behind, something to be aligned with, right? And they will just march right behind that cause, even if, even if they read it on Facebook and it's false, right? And they will just march right behind and argue it until you know, something happens and they find another better cause. And then they go and align themselves with something else and they get behind it and they go right along with it as well, right? But everybody's looking for a cause. And the thing is, our alignment in life impacts where we go in life. You agree with that? And I'm going to talk about that. I, I kind of want to point this, point a couple things out. But I actually subtitled this, I said, Position to Prosper. Alignment, position to prosper. And, and you think of the word prosper, and we automatically think of prosperity, and we're thinking of money. Uh, of course, we, we, we want prosperity. But prosper means more than that. Prosper means the state of being successful. How many of us want to be successful? It means to grow strong and healthy. How many of us want to be strong and healthy? It means to flourish. Of course. We want those things. So basically, my point in this whole series is going to be, if we are properly aligned, then we can find that success and that strength, and that health, and we can flourish in life if we can get into proper alignment. Anybody agree? I, I thought of a, an example of this. Um, in, how many of you are old enough in here to remember Operation Desert Storm, what we now call the Gulf War? Um, I will tell you this. In, um, in 1990, I'd never heard of the nation of Kuwait. Has everybody heard of Kuwait? There was a, actually I've got a map. Throw that picture up for me right quick, Miss Kim. You can see where Kuwait is right there. See it in the red down at the bottom, bottom right? And then you've got Iraq. What we had happen in, I think it was August? It was, yeah, August of 1990 is Iraq invaded Kuwait. Not just invaded, but occupied Kuwait. And there were a number of reasons for this. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the position of Kuwait there. It's got the coastline. But, but the reality is Kuwait is a very, it's one of the most wealthy nations in the world. It's very small. It's only got about 4 million people. I mean, it's, the whole nation is smaller than some of our major cities. So you've got this little bitty country of Kuwait, but it's incredibly wealthy. Anybody know why? Oil. That's right. They put out so much oil and refined petroleum that it is, I mean, they, for their 4 million people, health care is paid for, schooling, education, and college is all paid for. It's like standard of living is crazy high. To the, but the Iraqis had just finished uh, a war with Iran, which is to the right side there. They had just, they'd been having this, this war with Iran, and Iraq was broke. And they see Kuwait right there, who's extremely wealthy. And they start accusing Kuwait because of their drilling practice. I think they call it slant drilling or something. The way they were drilling, they were afraid that Kuwait was pulling a little bit of their oil under the border. And so they decided to go ahead and attack them and, get, and take what they had. That was in August of 1990. So what happened after that? Well, there was, in the following weeks, there was international outcry. Um, and we know that in February, I'm sorry, January of 91, by January... 
Operation Desert Storm was commenced. And I remember this so clearly. It's the first conflict like that, military conflict, I remember in my life because that's the first one where the news media was all over the place. I remember news media filming riding on tanks. Crazy. I remember our SEALs. I don't know if y'all remember the SEAL teams we had that went in first. And there were actually a reporter spotted them in the middle of the night in pitch dark. They come up off their little inflatable boats running up. I mean, I mean, painted faces, the whole bit running up. And all of a sudden there's cameras in their faces. I think they should have shot them. No. <laughs> anyway. <Amen. laughs> please, please don't put that on Twitter. It'll be on. Anyway. Um, by February 25th, the Iraqis were completely driven out of the nation of Kuwait. It took about five weeks, and they were gone. They were driven out by coalition forces. Why? because of who Kuwait was aligned with. Kuwait was a small country, didn't have really a military force, not a whole lot they could do when a nation that size comes against them. But they had aligned themselves with other nations. And we know that you know, the US and the UK and even Egypt and, and several others were involved in that coalition that went in and drove the Iraqis out and they've been free of them ever since. Who are you aligned with? Many times, our alliance, our agreement, sometimes it's with an idea, sometimes it's with a cause, sometimes, sometimes it's with a political party, right? Who are you aligned with? Obviously, in this series, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about our spiritual alignment and our alignment with God. And that's why what I'm going to do, I'm going to start this series by answering three questions. And you'll find those in your note sheet, um, or, or blanks anyway, I think, to fill them in. But... Um, I'm going to ask three questions, and, and this is going to follow, over the next couple of weeks, this is going to follow progression. But I was thinking about this, our initial alignment, we're talking about spiritual alignment, is, our, our, our first alignment is salvation, right? And so that's why I'm calling this, number one, I'm calling it spiritual rebirth. And that's why I want to do it, I want to answer three questions. The three questions for today, why should I be aligned with God, what are the terms of the alignment, and what happens if I fall out of alignment? And I felt like this was a good place to start from because if we're going to walk through the process of the Christian life, this is absolutely the beginning point, right? We have to be aligned with God by coming to him. And so we've got to understand why we need to be aligned with him. So that's the first question. Uh, you can write down your notes. Why should I be aligned with God? Why should I be aligned with God? And guys, we should all, as believers, we should all be able to answer this question. Because it's probably the most asked question in our culture today. Whenever somebody finds out you're a Christian, whenever you try and share Christ with them, people will say to you, why do I need God? People will say, well, if God is real, then why does he let all this bad stuff happen that's going on today? Or they'll say, you're God? My dad was an elder in the church, but at home he was a drunkard and abusive. Why do I need this God that he supposedly served? But if I'm a good, per I'm a good person, if I'm a good person, surely if God's real, he's good with me, right? Or people say, how in the world could a loving God, they always say, loving God, send people to hell? So those are questions we've got to be ready to answer, right? And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that our world's in trouble. Does everybody agree with that? Our world is without hope and without peace and without joy. I mean, my goodness, the world tells us, the world tells you you're just a cosmic accident, right? So what's the point? Do what you want to do. What's right for you is right for you. Say what you want to say. There's no consequences. Why do I need a God? But where has this thinking brought us? It's brought us into one of the most immoral, divisive times in history. I did a little bit of reading. I was looking at the, um, the CDC website, Center for Disease Control. Said in 2005, 14.8 14 million Americans experienced a major episode of depression. How many of you know our society 
is stressed out and depressed and riddled with guilt and shame and absolutely hopeless. Went on to say a study in 1999 showed uh, that reported that 10 out of every five, 10 out of every 100,000 people in the U.S. will commit suicide. And in 2014, 13 out of every 100,000 will commit suicide. Now, that doesn't look like a huge increase. You do realize that's a 24% increase in 15 years, right? Can we agree that our society is stressed out and without hope? Every human being, I wanted to smack Zach. He almost teached my message this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, it was, brother. Every human ba- being has inborn, innate desires. And I started, I just started thinking about that, and I just started making a list of a thing I was thinking of that every human being has, these inborn desires we have. See if you agree with these. We desire love, acceptance, and companionship. Yeah? We, des- we are curious people desiring knowledge, wisdom, and truth. We desire freedom and self-expression. We desire success, significance, and influence. We desire achievement, affirmation, recognition, and encouragement. We desire peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentedness. You agree with those? Those are things that every human being seeks. It's innate. However, Many times, the more we seek them, these things, the more empty we come up. And many people die without ever seeing these desires fulfilled in their life. And we know they will die that way unless they find the one person who's able to meet all those desires. That one person is our Heavenly Father, right? And why is He the only person that can meet those desires? Because He created them. He put each of those, those desires, there's nothing wrong with those. God placed those within us. And he's the fulfillment of them. He's the only one that can meet them. Mankind is lost because we know Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? This is why we're hopeless. This is why we're eating up with shame. This is why we're constantly having excuses for our lives. More than anything else, more than the air that we breathe, we need a Savior. And really, this is the story of the gospel. And I started, um, actually last year, I've I've been trying to write down a short way to sum up the gospel in just six or seven sentences. And and this is what I've written so far. I've got a document where I've, I've been editing. But I wrote the story of the message of the gospel. God loves all of humanity. But we've broken his commandments, fallen short of his standards, and we have all sinned, taking us out of alignment with him. Does that make sense? No matter what we do, we cannot bridge that gap and come back into alignment on our own. But God so loved us that 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, born of a virgin, but fully man and fully God, born in Bethlehem, to walk among us. He walked in our shoes, he breathed our air, he lived our life, he died our death. He took the judgment of God that should have come upon us, upon himself, and he rose from the dead three days later. Now the same Jesus who died rose and is alive, standing at the door of every human heart. That is the story, that is the message of the gospel. We need, more than anything else, a savior. Why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't send people to hell. Here's the reality of things. We're simply not aligned with them. By birth, we're not aligned with them. By bloodline, we're not aligned with them. We're not part of his family. We're born into sin and death. And because of that, there is nothing God can do until we make the decision to become aligned with him. There's nothing he can do. Well, God can do anything. All things except violate who he is. We are born into sin and death. So if we don't choose to be aligned with God, then by default, we're aligned with his enemy. 
and we're lost. And really, this is what salvation is. Salvation is alliance, agreement, alignment with God. Even though you were born into darkness, if you come into alignment with God, then you're adopted out of the darkness into his light. You're called his son. You're called his daughter. And you're made heirs to the kingdom. And let me tell you what, as an heir to the kingdom of God, you have a great inheritance. You have many benefits. There are many promises. The most importantly is the promise that when we align ourselves with him, he will never leave us for heaven. I want to know. I'll tell you what, we were talking about heaven and earth. I, even more than heaven, I want to know God's with me right now in the midst of the world that we live in. And we know that the moment our body dies, heaven will be our home. Can anybody say amen? amen? Before I go on to the next question, I would kind of want to lead into it by saying this. How many of you know that when you come into alignment, when you form an alliance or an agreement, there's always terms? There's always terms to an alliance. And got me thinking, how many of you saw on the news on November 3rd, just a few months ago, how many of you saw the North Korean soldier who defected to South Korea? Go ahead and put that picture up for me, Miss Kim. The thing that was wild about this is it was all videoed. So you got this North Korean soldier who's living in this oppressive regime, and he decides he's done. It's time to go. And so he takes off, and, and they have all the security, because it was right by the border. And so from South Korea, they had all the security camera footage that saw it. He jumped in a vehicle, and he sped toward the border. And you can watch this video. If you look at it, he went through checkpoint after checkpoint with armed guards there, just sped through them like in the movies, man, just head right on through. And then he got, gets to a point where there's soldiers in front of him on the road, all shooting at him. He pulls off and gets stuck in the mud, which you see there in the upper left. He gets out of the vehicle, and he starts running. He runs and runs, and he's, man, just right by the border. And you see him run around a building, and he's got, he has got North Korean troops. He's got them like 10 feet behind him shooting at him. He got shot five times while he was running until he was able to jump across the border and collapse. What happened? He defected. He asked for asylum. As a North Korean citizen... He jumped the border and asked for asylum in the neighboring country. And I got to thinking about this because you can read about him now. He's still recovering from his injuries. He's actually going to be fine. But they found that he was eaten up with disease. He had parasites, all this stuff, and uh, plus treating his, his bullet wounds and all that. But North, South Korea came in, and they offered him shelter and protection and food and medical care and everything else that he needed. And that whole thing really got me to thinking because asylum, he aligned himself with South Korea. He could, it would do him no good no, to, to be in South Korea and follow North Korean laws. Does this make sense? He may still consider himself, it may be odd for him, he may consider himself a North Korean citizen, but now he's aligned himself with South Korea. And if he ex, ex, to keep that shelter and that food and that protection, he's got to stay aligned with them, right? He's got to follow their laws, and he's got to now do things their way, opposed to the way he's lived his whole life up till this moment. He has to completely change his way of thinking for a whole new country, a new kingdom. Does this make sense? Which leads into question two. What are the terms of this alliance? What are the terms of of, I'm sorry, of the alignment. What are the terms of the alignment, our alignment with God? Well, we know first and foremost, the first thing that we have to do, we know it's from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, but if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, right, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the first thing is that confession of our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, I know I've said this over and over again, but I'm going to keep shouting until the day I die. Guys, this is not a prayer that you pray one time to receive Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible did anybody pray a prayer to receive Jesus. I think it's a good thing because it brings us to a point of decision. But in the Bible, people simply made the decision to follow him. And their whole life changed. 
And that's what this is. The confession of my mouth, everything that we do should point to Jesus. Everything, the work that we do, our hard work, our integrity, everything about us should confess that Jesus is Lord of our life. And then believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the, with the heart, one believes and is justified, not by the words, right? It's by the heart one is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So what is the agreement? The agreement is we agree that Jesus is now Lord of our lives. It, it's a decision that we make, right? I make the decision. I'm no longer Lord. I'm no longer master of my life. I surrender everything to the one who surrendered for me, to the one who gave his life for me. We agree by believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. In church, we'll do, I know this seems simple because many people think that, you know, you got to get your act all together in church. Well, what, what about good works? What, what, don't we have to do good works in that part of the agreement? We got to be, I got to be good. Guys, there are plenty of good folks that are headed to hell. And, and actually, there's a lot of <laughs> folks doing bad stuff that are going to heaven. These things, these works don't save us. We're saved simply by grace through faith. But, you know I got to throw a but in there, right? Everybody say but. But, but we align ourselves, we agree and align ourselves through repentance. This is where the whole works thing comes in and gets mixed up. Um, there was an, in Acts chapter 2, if you're in your Bibles, you can turn your Bibles in Acts chapter 2. And we see here, we're going to start at verse 36. But this is where Peter and the disciples have been in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit just fell on the place. And they have this big meeting. They come down. It's Pentecost. There's, there, or Passover. There's, there's people everywhere from all over the world. And they walk down from the upper room. All these people are gathered outside, seeing what in the world this commotion is. And Peter speaks up, and he begins sharing the gospel message, right? He begins sharing the love of Jesus. He begins telling the story of what he's experienced. And he wraps up his message to this massive crowd. In verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that, the God, that God has made him, talking about Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this same Jesus whom you crucified. He's talking to the Jews. He's telling them all about how Jesus is the Messiah, and he ends that saying, it's the same Jesus. He is the Christ, it meant Messiah, the same Jesus that you crucified. Kind of one of them strong messages, right? And then in verse 37, he said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift Oh, the Holy Spirit. And we know that three verses later in verse 41, we know that in that moment, from that crowd, 3,000 people made a decision in that moment to receive Christ and to follow him. That's pretty impressive. That's awesome. That's something that only God can do. So we're talking about this. When Peter's talking there, when they, when they were cut to the heart, they were piercing and convicted. He said, what do you do? The first thing he said to do was what? Repent. Now, the word repent doesn't mean, to, doesn't mean to feel bad. It doesn't even mean to apologize. But it means to completely turn away from your sin. It means to completely turn away from your sin, make things right, and go the opposite direction with your life. That's what repentance means. And so this is what he's equating. This is one of the terms that he's saying here in our alignment with God. He's saying we must repent. We turn from our sin. And then he says, be baptized. Baptism here simply means to be washed or cleansed. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I don't know if that means they marched all 3,000 people down to the river to be baptized in water in that moment. But in the Bible, there's actually seven different baptisms that are mentioned. It talks about the baptism of Moses, the baptism of John, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of fire, the baptism of believers. It talks about all these different baptisms. One way or the other, we know that it's sitting there saying, it's talking about um, they were baptized, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so there, there was actually a baptism in Jesus. And so we don't know if they actually, I believe they were water baptized. That is vitally important. But nobody's quite sure if that's what they were referring to right here in this moment. One way or the other, we know that they, we are expected to repent of our sin, to turn and go the opposite direction in our lives. Does that make sense? First John 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to do what? 
to forgive us. This is because of repentance. Repentance is what leads to forgiveness. It's not saying sorry, right? And so that's where I, I was talking about how I've been writing out kind of the gospel message real short. Jesus standing at the door of every human heart. And this is how I concluded that paragraph that I've got. If we will open the door and ask him to come into our life, turning from our sin, surrendering our lives to him, we will be forgiven. So repentance is very important. It is one of the terms of our alliance with him. Now, let me throw in another but. How many of you would agree we're far from perfect? Repentance is something that we should be doing every day. As our flesh gets in the way and our crazy thoughts get out of line, we're far from perfect, but we should be doing our best to move forward and grow in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, here's the clincher in, in this, in this whole thing about repentance. Um, once we're saved, we become a new creation. This means that we have a new nature. Remember I was talking about how by birth we're born into sin, that sinful bloodline? But when we receive Christ... When we're saved, we become a new creation. We're adopted in his family, and we have a new nature. Our nature should not be the same as it was before. Inside, our nature should not be to sin. Now, like, I don't know about y'all, but I still jack it up. Sometimes every day. But it should grieve us. We should be quick to repent and say, God... I am sorry. I repent of this. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to go the other direction. That's the difference in that nature. Where before, we wouldn't have cared so much, right? Um, so we have that new nature, and along with it comes new desires, so that, like John said, so we don't keep on sinning. So doing good works does not save us, but I would argue that it is an evidence, it is possibly the evidence that we have surrendered our life to Christ, that the world will see. If, I will go so far as to say this, if you call yourself a Christian because you prayed a prayer one time to receive Christ, but there's never been a change, you've never felt convicted of sin, there was no new nature, I would highly suggest you get it right today before you walk out the doors. Before you get out on Goodman Road. Because for too long, people have tried, if you will just, 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 just repeat this after me. It's not a get out of hell free card. It's a heart change, which should be evidenced by the repentance in our life and the way that we honor God by everything that we do, by living a life of worship that honors him. Are you questioning my salvation? <laughs> if you have never been convicted of your sin? Absolutely. If there's no new nature, if there's no character, if there's no new creation, if you repented, if you repeated something that was just words, I highly suggest, highly suggest you rededicate your life to the Lord today. See, you may have been a Christian who's, you may, maybe you are a Christian that maybe you truly did surrender your life to the Lord. Maybe you repented and maybe your life showed it. But how many of you know that Sometimes our lives can be a little bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes we hit a little bit of a bump in the road. And sometimes our passion and desire for the Lord diminishes a little bit because of choices we've made and things that we've done. And I'll tell you, that's easy. It just means you've fallen a little out of alignment. And that brings me to our third question. What happens if I fall out of alignment? Here's the good news with God. His shop is always open. Realignment with God is always an option. And because repentance is simply a matter of changing our heart and turning our attitude toward him, embracing his will for our life, because of that, we can come right back into line with him in a moment. So what I'm saying is, Again, I'm trying to separate works from this whole thing. No external behavior initially is needed 
to come back into alignment with God. But again, there should be an evidence that we've come back into alignment with him because of the life of the repentance and the life that we're living. Does this make any sense? I hope I'm not confusing stuff. If you truly repented, though, before God, you're going to want to make the wrong things right. You're going to repent to those that you've hurt. You're going to repay that that was stolen. And you're going to go the opposite direction in life. You know, the last thing I want to mention before I close, and I'm going to continue that. I don't want to spend much time on that point simply because, as I said, this is going to be a progression. And I want to talk about what that looks like because here's the reality. Alignment is a lifelong process. Um, Let me bring it in real quick and let's talk about the alignment on your car real fast. How many of you know, if you go to the, you go to the auto dealer and you buy, you buy a new car. Hopefully your tires are aligned, right? Hopefully your wheels are aligned. If, <laughs> if the tires are laying down on their sides on the ground, you're probably not going to go anywhere, right? If the tires are completely sideways, you're probably not going anywhere, right? So hopefully they're aligned. It, the tires are aligned when you get it. So you've got your car and you're out on the road, just like... Most of us in here are probably believers. We've been following Christ for years. We've got that initial alignment. We received Christ. We're trucking forward with him. We're moving the right general direction. But how do you know, all you got to do is jump your car up on a curb hard or something right quick. Hit a big enough bump and what happens? You can fall out of alignment. Now, does that mean that you're dead in the water? Not usually. Usually you can still get where you're going, right? Uh, Some people drive with bad alignment for years. (laughs) But here's the problem with driving with bad alignment. If you don't deal with that, you hit a big bump, something hits you, or you hit something, and you're out of alignment, it can cause for a rougher ride, can't it? It can cause damage to to your tires, to your wheels, cause damage to your vehicle. It can cost you dearly. But let me tell you, you can probably still get to your destination. In the same way as believers, I think that we've got to fine-tune our alignment with God. Initially, we've got to be aligned through salvation, obviously, surrendering our heart to Him. And then from there on out, it's all about fine-tuning. Because how many of you knows we know we hit bumps along the way? We hit bumps along the way that make the ride a little bit rough. What in the world just happened? And we know that it needs attention, but we're too busy, or we don't have the time, or whatever it may be, and we don't get it taken care of, and ends up costing us more in the long run. Causes us grief, causes us pain, when we gotta open our checkbook or swipe our card, right? In the same way, we hit bumps in our walk with God. And that's why I want to talk about this as a progression because how many of you know our alignment looks different when we're saved than it does when we're a young believer, than it does when we're a mature believer? Things change as we try and stay in alignment and get more and more in line with him. We're headed the right general direction. And I believe that heaven is your home. Okay? It's kind of like I was talking to Shauna the other day. We were using a map to get somewhere, weren't we? And I was like, this is the craziest thing. I said, you know, I almost missed the day when I had to stop at a gas station and buy a map and pull it out and fold it every which direction and hold it upside down while she's going, how do you read that upside down? You know, and and, I mean, that was almost, man, that was the day. And I said, because of that, our kids have never, they've never experienced that before. They've never, never really read a map. I told her, I said, that experience brought me to the place where I, I generally, whenever I'm going somewhere, I know generally where I'm going. If somebody says, I, I know the Qualls live in Hernando. If, if, if they told me where they lived, I could go, okay. And all of a sudden, my phone didn't work. I didn't have Matt. I'd go, okay. I, I, I know the direction to Hernando from here. I, I'm probably pretty sure I can head that general direction and I can get there. Our kids couldn't do that. No, they couldn't. Now, it may take me a little longer because I'll take some wrong turns along the way. If I could go as the crow flies, I could be there real quickly. But instead, I got to take all these little country back roads or out to 55. Um, 
So, so it's, it's all about alignment and the fine-tuning of our alignment in life. And that's what I'm going to, I'll continue on that next week as we talk about as we're new believers and the responsibility. What does God expect of us as new believers? Because his expectations of new believers is not exactly the same as it is for mature believers. Things change. God expects more of us as we grow, just like we do our own children, right? So with that, why don't we, why don't we go ahead and stand up together and let's all, let's all bow, all bow our heads as we continue. As the worship team comes up. With every head bowed, as it could very well be that, that, that the Holy Spirit has really brought some conviction through this. Guys, this is the very first step in alignment. We have got to be aligned with him. We've got to be that new creation. We should have that new nature living in us. And so I'd ask that first, with every head bowed. If that's you and you would say, you know what? That's me. I, I prayed a prayer in children's church one time, and I never really understood what it meant to bring my life into alignment with God. I never really understood that it meant that I would have to make him Lord of my life. I never really understood that it meant that I had to turn from my ways and my thoughts and my way of doing things, and I had to do things his way. I didn't know it meant I had to give up control. I didn't know it meant I had to follow him. If that's you, today is your day. It really is pretty simple. You gotta make a decision in your heart. Make a decision that no matter what comes, no matter how big the bump is in the road, no matter how much you think you have it under control, that you choose to take your hands off the wheel and give him control of your life from this day forward. He has plans for you. He has things he wants you to do and to accomplish in life. And, there, and, and by doing that, those are the only things that are going to satisfy you in life. There comes a point where we've got to quit trying to do things our own way and find satisfaction and contentedness on our own. He only knows what he created us for. Follow him. He'll show you. Then you'll find true satisfaction in life. You won't have to walk with the guilt and the shame of your past or the worry of tomorrow. Because you can be confident that the creator of the universe walks hand in hand with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. Or maybe you're here and like I said, you've been a believer your entire life. You have surrendered your life to Christ and you do follow him and you're headed the right general direction. Maybe it's just been a tough time. Maybe it's been a tough year. Maybe it's been a tough decade. I don't know. Maybe you find that your passion, your desire, your zeal for God has waned. Maybe there's some areas in your life that, you're out of, that are out of a line that you know you've needed to deal with for a long time, but you've put it off and put it off and put it off and chosen to not deal with it. And today is also your day. I want you to be willing to jump up and say, you know what, God, I rededicate my life to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing over. I'm going to do it fresh and new. I'm going to follow you every day of my life. I'm going to come into alignment with you. With every head bowed, if that's you and you would say, I have got to get my life right with God today. I have got to come into alignment. Let me just, just lift your hand and let me see. Who would say I have got to come in alignment with God today? Yes, who else? Who else would say it is time for me to surrender? Yes. If, if you have your hand raised, just look up at me. Yeah, see, okay. Anybody else? That would say, yep, there's a third one in the back. Anybody else that would say, I have got to get my life right with Jesus today? All right. We're going to pray together, and, and I just ask everybody, we're just going to pray this prayer together out loud. Remember, it's not as much about the words as it is your heart. So position your heart in a place of repentance. Position your heart in a place where you say, God, I'm ready. I'm going to give you everything. You gave your life for me. All right. I'm giving my life to you from this day forward. We're going to pray this prayer together. The Bible says, if you mean it in your heart, if you mean your heart, you become a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. That he'll be present with you all the days of your life. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus when I was lost, when I was alone, when I was making my way on my own. You came and you gave your life for me. Today, I declare, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. From this day forward, 
I will follow you. I will honor you with everything that I do, with every word that I say. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. And I will follow you all the days of my life from this day forward in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer today. I thank you for every decision, all the conviction, Lord, that only you bring. There's never condemnation that comes by the Holy Spirit. It's always that gentleness that comes and knocks into our heart and says, it's time to get things right. I love you. It's that gentleness that pulls us in and calls us your very own. It's your gentleness that adopts us and makes us your sons and daughters. So I just thank you, Lord, for each one of these that rededicated their life today. I pray God you'd surround them by godly influences that will, that will speak truth and love to them in Jesus' name. And Lord, they truly would come into alignment that their day would be different. Doesn't mean that there won't be problems, but Lord, we know that you will be there. You'll be there to walk with them hand in hand. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.